Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and I'm happy to announce that former USC and NFL defensive lineman Frosty Rucker has decided to join the podcast as my weekly co-host. Frosty, I'm guessing this means you had such a good time on last week's show that you just had to come back for more. Oh, that's exactly it. I didn't get the W for the game, but I had a good time and it finally felt good to speak some ball again. And we're happy to have you on every week going forward. For all of you out there who enjoy our show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We're also available on all of your favorite directories where you can find podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us, of course, at the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. Personally, on Twitter, you can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, what are all the ways they can reach out to you on social media? I'm an Instagram and Twitter guy, and that's at The Organic Frost, and that's for both. All right. So in the 91st meeting between USC and Notre Dame, the Trojans went to South Bend, Indiana and played with great effort, but just came up a couple of plays short of winning, according to the coaching staff. Basically, the same thing that they've told us after the two previous losses this season to Washington and BYU. And very similar to what we've heard throughout the tenure of Clay Helton as head coach after close losses. Not surprisingly, USC fans aren't happy to A, lose another game, especially to a bitter rival, and B, hear the same talking points brought out time and time again to explain these losses. Frosty, do you share the same type of frustration as the Trojan faithful? Yeah, I mean, it's been a few weeks since we put a perfect game together or a game that just fell in our our laps. It seems like there's just a little disconnect right when we need it. It feels like we're an inch away, we're a play away, a series away, even a quarter away from finishing these games. I think the team's talented. I think I said it last week. I think the leadership has to prevail and to finish these games off and not get behind and always have to be fighting our way back, fighting our way through something. This team can do it, but I am frustrated. And I feel like I get why Trojan Nation feels the way they do. And again, you mentioned it. Maybe we're just a quarter away. I would say that that first quarter, USC had all kinds of opportunities to try and capitalize. And all they were able to do was put up three points in that first quarter, despite really dominating play. And that really cost us the rest of the way, I believe. Yeah, because while we're fighting back, all I could think about the whole game was that first quarter. We let it get away. We had time to put points on the board. And I think we should have had at least 10 points in that first quarter. And we didn't get it. We had three. And and I felt like that first quarter coming out of the gate was what derailed our win. Yeah, and that very first drive, we're moving the ball, get into Notre Dame territory. But of course, the sack puts us in a hole and we can't convert a third and long half to punt. Second possession, Carr gets stuffed for a loss, puts us back. We can't convert a third and long. And then on the third possession that we got the field goal on, we still had some chances, though, to do better. But a couple of incomplete passes near the red zone 
and we have to settle for a field goal. And then it seemed that Notre Dame, finally, they get going in the second quarter, blitz us with 17 points, and we're down two touchdowns at halftime. And that's just not the way you want to go into halftime, especially knowing that SC has had trouble making better adjustments than other teams coming out of the half. But they made some good adjustments coming out of the half, and they fought their way back into it. I get what you're saying. First quarter, we were down, should have capitalized, should have got up on them while they were still asleep. We woke up the Giant. They came out hot second quarter. And like you said, fighting back with our backs against the wall isn't our forte. We did it in this game, and we got the score pretty even. But we had our chances to win, and that's what frustrates me the most. And part of the reasons why we had chances to win, let's talk about some of the positives from the game. Keaton Slovis returning from the concussion he suffered against Utah looked pretty good, especially in that second half. He finished 24 of 35 for 255 yards and two touchdowns. And maybe even more impressive was the emergence of redshirt freshman running back Marquis Stepp. 10 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. The former Notre Dame commit sticking it back to the team that wanted him so badly. So I think you have to take those positives. Two young guys, a true freshman in Slovis, a redshirt freshman in step, really stepping up and leading the Trojan offense. Well, absolutely. And I feel like anytime your number's called and you get an opportunity, you got to seize the moment. And that young kid did. I love that these both are freshmen and they're getting this valuable game time that's not getting us wins, so to say, but the experience that down the line, our team's going to be in good hands. I like Slovis. He's young. He's got a good offense. If he's in this system for a couple years, granted, knock on wood, JT doesn't come back and it's his show, right? There's going to be some controversy. I think this guy can lead us. I like him. He's so young and fresh. As long as that offensive line keeps him upright, we were always going to be in every game. The team can fight, but I get a bellyache just thinking about these big plays our defense gives up. Yeah, and a lot of the big plays the defense gave up was on the ground. Notre Dame went for 308 yards on the ground. That's an absurd amount of rushing yards. And they converted 9 of 17 third downs. Another bugaboo that USC fans have had issues with. I like that bugaboo word. (laughs) (laughs) It seems that, again, the offense kind of got going in the second half. And when we just needed a stop, the defense wasn't able to come up with it when they really needed to. Right. And I really don't know what our defense philosophy is. If it's the stop the run and stop first and second down to give them long third downs or their their conversion rate, like you said, is nine out of 17 and third down. We didn't do anything. It was so balanced, their attack, that the lopsided runs that they were getting, it was they would give up big chunk yards on the ground and it just breaks the whole defense's spirit. And as a D lineman, I understand you're in there. We got to do more. I want the defense to play stout. I believe... Sometimes I don't know what the rhyme or reason behind some of the calls are, but there comes a time where these players got to play out of it. I know they're young and I know they're in college, but they know their best stuff. And if they're watching enough film and they're really paying attention to stuff and they know they're in a bad call, I would love one of the leaders to step up and check out of something. You know, it's growth, it's maturity. It's not really not being coachable, but knowing that right now we may need to throw a zero blitz at them if we got them backed up. I'd like to see some leadership come out of these guys. Some positives, normally SC fans and faithful like to complain about under the Clay Helton era is the turnovers and the penalties. Well, SC committed no turnovers and they only committed 
two penalties for 20 yards, but one of those penalties Huge. near the end of the third quarter. Huge. And it very questionable. Roughing the passer penalty on Pala Ie, Naote Ote. I mean, how is that called roughing the passer? Like, you would have been able to play Frosty. The way the game's going these days, it's solely the game of footballs offensively. Because as a defender, being in that position, yeah, you have to be smart. You got to do what's right. What happens when you do it absolutely right and you still get a flag? Again, it's heartbreaking. I feel sorry for the kid that essentially gets this penalty and his team just has to eat it. And we just have to take it on the chin. Sometimes refereeing, they referee with no consequence. And these kids have to travel all the way back from South Bend with a loss, with a questionable call. And you just wish it would be even kill. And it would be easy for these guys just to go up there, play through the whistle. And it's heartbreaking. The rules, they make it impossible. And so that penalty kept a Notre Dame drive alive. That was a third down play where they threw incomplete. Ian Book was incomplete, but the penalty kept the drive going for Notre Dame. They end up getting a field goal early in the fourth quarter to take a 23-13 to lead against USC. And to USC's credit, they fought back. Keaton Slovis leads a nice drive that ended with a Tyler Vaughn's touchdown to bring us back to within three points at 23-20. But then on the next drive, USC has a couple of third down and longs that if they can just make a stop, they get Notre Dame off the field, they get the ball back with time to go to either tie the game with a field goal or maybe take the lead with a touchdown, and they can't do it. Ian Book basically gets a couple of big runs on that drive, and he ends up with the touchdown run, puts Notre Dame back up by 10. USC once again responds with another touchdown drive that ended with a marquee step touchdown run. But at that point, then, there's just barely over a minute left to go in the game. And SC is forced to onside kick. And here's the other craziness. Right. The great Pac-12 refereeing crew. And again, everyone knows Pac-12 referees are the worst among the Power Five conferences. <laughs> and somehow, on the onside kick, Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly is got to be four or five yards onto the field trying to get his guys in the back to come up. And... As USC is kicking the ball, he is still out on the field behind the, his group of players on the side that USC is kicking the ball to. Right. And some of the USC players see that, and obviously they're not sure what the heck is going on. The coach is out on the field, and the referees just let it happen. Nordame gets the onside kick recovery, and that's it. There's no penalty. How do you miss that? It boggles the mind. Well, that's refereeing in sports these days, and it just happened to affect our kids this past weekend. But again, side judge has to make that call. He's the closest one there. As a player, you want to take it out of the referee's hands. You never want the game to be in the referee's hands because they're going to make calls that they can go either way, always questionable. But something like that, that's blatant, the coach on the field, there's no consequence to it. Again, the guy's got to get on a plane, go all the way back from South Bend, and have the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But things like that, there has to be a penalty for the referees. People have to be suspended. Coaches and players' jobs are on the line here, right? And with no consequence, it's amazing how there's just no rule to be 
there with no consequence. And especially because in USC's previous game against Washington, Talanoa Hufanga, who was out for the game because of a concussion, but he was on the sideline. He was wearing his jersey over his hoodie and he comes out to chest bump a teammate after a fumble recovery and lands a yard onto the field and gets penalized. 15 yards, unsportsmanlike conduct. So you could see that, you could see that happen, but you can't see a coach running onto the field and is out on the field as the onside kick is happening, or you're just too afraid to call a penalty. Either way, it's unacceptable. And the Pac-12 referees have to be held accountable. They should be giving out a statement about why this happened, and there should be some repercussions for the referees. Totally agree with you on that. Absolutely. There has to be something done. These guys maybe don't get in a bowl game. They don't get that national championship. Their grade goes down. You got to reevaluate the talent at the referee position. The whole referee industry needs to get rehauled and revamped because over and over again in sports, this is what ends up being highlighted. These guys that are taking away wins and getting people fired and with no consequence to their actions. And again, I don't want to make it seem like missing that call cost USC the game. They would still have to line up again, try and get an onside kick. We know the chances of that are not great. But the fact of the matter is, at least they would have had a chance. Right. And that's all we want, right? And you never know what can happen there. So what it turns out is that USC, despite a good second half effort to come back, they fall short 30-27, another loss to Notre Dame, Again, they haven't won at South Bend since 2011. So that brings me to the weekly results for the Helton Hot Seat Scale poll that I release on Twitter after every game to see where USC fans feel about how hot the Clay Helton Hot Seat is. Because we know it's a hot seat, but how hot do you think it is? I use chili peppers to rank it. The hottest chili (laughs) pepper in the world, the Carolina Reaper, 2.2 million Scoville heat units followed by the ghost pepper at over a million Scoville heat units, the habanero clocking in at 350,000 SHU, and finally cayenne at 50,000. And the results this week, interesting. We had ties. Really? Carolina Reaper and ghost pepper each tied with a third of the vote, so 33% each. And then habanero and cayenne tied at 17% each. So I guess the fact is that they did well enough to keep the hot seat from feeling too hot this week, especially after the Washington game. Things were really dialed up. Carolina Reaper won the vote that week. But this week, a tie among Carolina Reaper and Ghost Pepper and Habanero and Cayenne also getting some votes in as well. At some point, we got to look at the hot seat being on the defensive coordinator. At some point, guys have to be able to either understand what his philosophy is and understand the game plan because sometimes I really feel like there's a disconnect on the defensive side of the ball and I want to see the leaders really step up. But the leader I want to see step up is the defensive coordinator, Clancy Pendergast. It's his turn to really lead a dominating defense for the homecoming game. That's what I want to see. For Coach Helton, I would just really want him to stay aggressive. Yeah, things aren't going the way they're supposed to be. Don't freak out. Keep standing by what you know. You're the head coach. It's your philosophy. At the end of the day, you got to stand by each call the defensive coordinator's calling, each call the offensive coordinator's calling, and lead these boys. And before we transition to talk about this week's game, let me remind you that if you are enjoying listening to Frosty and I here on the Believe in USC Football podcast, you can subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and find us wherever you find your 
favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. The website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. And on social media, at Believe Podcasts. On Twitter, you can find me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Give me a follow there. Send any questions and comments you might have about SC football. And Frosty, where can they reach out to you? At The Organic Frost. That's at The Organic Frost. And now we will turn our attention to this weekend's game. The Arizona Wildcats come in for homecoming weekend at the LA Memorial Coliseum. It's going to be another night game for USC this Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. local time in Los Angeles. It'll be shown on the Pac-12 networks and on radio locally in LA, 790 a.m. Arizona is 4-2 and two overall under coach Kevin Sumlin. Like USC and two other teams in the Pac-12 South, they are two and one in conference, but they're coming off a brutal 51 to 27 loss at home against the Washington Huskies. Now we know Arizona great offense quarterback Khalil Tate and running back JJ Taylor lead the way. They are ninth in the country in total offense at over 509 yards a game. They convert their third downs at 49.5%. So again, a danger zone there for USC. What can we expect from this Wildcats offense? Well, again, you got Tate coming home and it's homecoming. So double whammy right there. It's the battle of who really wants it. Like you said, Arizona coming off that loss to Washington. And I'm sure they felt so embarrassed. Tate's coming home. He wants to put on a show. How do we respond? How do we respond from the highs and lows of Notre Dame, flying all the way back, a week of school, a week of hearing guys like me talk about what they need to do and how they need to respond. How do they respond? How does coach keep that energy level up? I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Again, I feel like with Tate coming home, being a homecoming, they're going to try to keep the ball in his hands, let him use his feet, let him throw the ball, and can our defense stand that? They put yards on the field. There's a lot of running up and down that field. Canada equivalent to points? I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. And not only is that a homecoming for Tate, the Sarah High grad, but JJ Taylor is out of Corona Centennial. Right. So both guys are going to be very motivated to play against USC. And again, like you said, I think they're going to try and force Tate to beat the defense with the pass. You don't want that guy running. He is one of the most dynamic running quarterbacks in college football. He's one of only two guys currently in the Power Five conferences who has over 5,000 passing yards and 2,000 rushing yards. The other guy, Jalen Hurts. So that's some pretty good company that Khalil Tate is in. And I would expect SC to try and force him to beat us by passing the ball. And we've seen with Tate that he gets really amped up to play against USC. And he starts off a little slow. He's a little erratic with his accuracy, throwing the ball. And that's hurt him in the past. We'll see with a few more years of maturity, now that he's gotten to play there for a while, if that is a little bit lessened. Now on the other side of the ball, couple of good linebackers for Arizona, Colin Schooler and Tony Fields the second. They're tackling machines. Schooler in his career, they're both juniors. Schooler's got 40 and a half tackles for loss in just over 30 games in his career. Not too shabby. But as a whole, 
you've got to say that this is going to be one of the weaker defenses that USC will see all season. In scoring defense, they give up 33 points a game, tied for 110th in the FBS. This is out of 130 schools, okay? In total defense, 119th in the country, giving up over 473 yards a game. And in red zone D, they've allowed 23 scores in 24 opportunities, which is tied for 126th in the country. Again, out of 130 teams. Frosty, if USC can't take advantage of this defense, what defense can they take advantage of? Right. I mean, this is set up perfectly. I don't want to see SC flirt with us and, well, I do actually want to see them flirt with us and come out with a big game, whole bunch of points, get a win, and then just keep teeter-tottering back and forth with it. Right now, we need to play a, a complete game, and I think the real battle is going to be their offense versus our defense. I think if we could keep them minimized to 300 yards on total offense for Arizona and not let them get to 500 that they're averaging and play our game with short field and actually scoring and not trading field goals, I think we'll be all right. It's a scary threat to know that this offense is so potent and what they can do. You know, it's always a, a good game. It's it's always a active crowd every time SC plays at nighttime, especially homecoming. There'll be a lot of energy there, right? But can they, can our defense beat their offense? That's the question. Yeah. And again, we could see some fireworks as their offense is really good and their defense is really bad. So our offense should hopefully look really good against them. And again, that second half against Notre Dame is probably giving a lot of fans hope that that can translate into this homecoming weekend game against the Wildcats. So SC is as I mentioned before, tied with Arizona in the Pac-12 South at 2-1 and one in conference, 3-3 three and three overall. And they have some injuries to deal with. Right. Vi Malapai, the starting running back, is scheduled to have knee surgery today. We're recording the show on a Tuesday. He's supposed to have surgery today. He's been dealing with a bad knee for a while now, and it just got to the point where they felt that it was better for him to go in and clean it up. There's no timetable right now for his returns. We don't know if he's coming back this season. Either way, a lot of people were hoping to see more of Marquis Step, and I think we'll definitely be seeing that for sure with Malapai out. We'll see if Stephen Carr ends up starting or if it's Step, but either way, those two guys will definitely be getting more carries, and we might even see the true freshman out of San Diego, Keenan Kristen, get a little play. So that's the offense. On the defensive side, a lot of banged up guys in the secondary. Elijah Griffin had to leave Nordame game because of back spasms, so he's dealing with that. Isaac Taylor Stewart has an ankle sprain. Greg Johnson hurt his shoulder against Notre Dame. And also linebacker Palaie Naote Ote is dealing with the ankle sprain when he got it twisted in that pile. Uh, some people have seen that video that went viral of offensive lineman for Notre Dame, Tommy Kramer, grabbing at Naote Ote's man parts. So that happens in the scrums. I think you know all about the scrums that can happen in a, in a pile. But all those guys, we don't know what their status is going to be for the game on Saturday. So like you mentioned, we could be dealing with a lot of losses on especially the defensive side. Right. And that's what worries me about this whole matchup. Their offense is really potent. We have a lot of injuries and a lot of homecomings for a lot of guys that are coming back from Arizona to come back home to California to play. And 
They're going to be full of energy and they're not afraid. And that that's the thing also. As we look at all these games, all these teams are fearless, playing like they're not afraid of USC. And that's something that has to change. And hopefully it's a statement that we can make Saturday night that we're going to fight and coach is going to coach all the way into the end of the season. He's going to coach his heart out, give us everything he got. And let the chips fall where they may. We shall see what happens there. But of course, we gotta have to try to figure out what we think is gonna happen. So it is time for our always super fun prediction segment. First of all, let us recap our picks from last week. The players that we believed in last week. I said Talanoa Hufanga in his return from the concussion. And you went with the group. You went with the offensive line. And Frosty, I think we're going to have to call this one a tie. Hufanga had six tackles, five solo, and one pass breakup. The offensive line got 171 yards rushing on the ground, 4.9 yards a rush, but they also allowed four sacks of Slovis. Mm, But he's still up this week. I think we're going to have to just call that one a tie. I don't think either side really stood out or really did poorly. I'm okay with the tie. Are you cool with that? I'm okay with the tie. Because we got our quarterback back for this week. So a tie is good. All right. So we tie on the players that we believe in. Now on the game score, I'm going to claim the win here because I actually took Notre Dame. I picked 34-24. So I was pretty close to the 30-27 score. You went with USC to win 30-24. So you were really close on the score. If you had just picked Notre Dame, you would have gotten it. Never. (laughs) And I need to mention, of course, that last week we had the site manager for One Foot Down, Notre Dame's SB Nation website, Joshua Vowles. And of course, he took Notre Dame. He went 31-17. So I had a better prediction than him. SE was an 11-point underdog. So I'm going to claim the win there. Not that I'm happy about it. I was hoping you would be the winner there, but I'm going to take the win on the score prediction. And then in our prop bets, where we pick a guaranteed happening in the game, you've got your cold hard truth, Frosty's cold hard truth. You went with USC winning the turnover battle. My Nara's no doubter was that there would be four turnovers combined among both teams. And on this one, to get it right, you got to nail it. And neither of us got it. There were no turnovers in the game by either team. So I was way off. And there you go. And the turnover battle was not won by anyone. It was even. So neither of us win that one. So last week, I'm going to claim a win in the game score. And we tied on the players we believe in. So I'm slightly ahead here. And I think, Frosty, we're probably going to have to have, now that you're going to be our guy here, co-hosting with me the rest of the way. We probably need to have something on the line for the winner to get on who does better on their predictions. Loser buys beers at the Galen Center for a basketball game. Okay. I can go with that. A little uh, Galen Center hangout to watch our men's basketball team this season. Absolutely. And losers got to buy. Okay. Is that cool? We can make that happen. I'm down with that. So let's get to our predictions for this week. First of all, again, as always, we start with the players that we believe in. So Frosty, what player do you believe in this week for the USC Trojans? Okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going with a group and not a player. I believe Arizona's offense is so potent. If we keep them under 300 yards, I believe our D-line would be the biggest factor in this game. And obviously, you knew I was going to go up front last week going with O-line. I'm going to go with D-line because they outplay the offensive line of the Arizona Wildcats. Okay, so you again are going to choose a group of players for the players expect? that you believe Let's in. Let's be real here. What would you expect? 
<laughs> and you're going now on the D line. Back to your roots for you, the player that you believe in. Yeah, listen, if they can hold Arizona's offense to under 300 yards, that'll be a very, very solid showing and keep Khalil Tate from running crazy on us. That's the scary part. For me, the player that I believe in this week, I'm going to go with the young kid, Marquis Step. I think that Arizona is going to do what all these teams that have beaten us have done, and they're going to try and sit back, especially the way that their defense has been. They're going to try and sit back in a zone, drop eight back in coverage, have five in the box, dare USC's air raid offense to run. And even though their pass defense is not great, their total defense is definitely not great. I think SC is going to have to try and run the ball. If they're going to dare us to run, and I think we've got the guys to do it, I think Step goes for a big game. So he is the player I believe in this week. Redshirt freshman running back, Marquise Step. Good pick. And now for the game score prediction, I will go first here. And the line right now is... SC as a nine and a half point favorite at home. And this is dangerous. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to pick USC to cover that nine and a half point spread. I think they're going to actually cover it. I don't think they And I think it's going to be high scoring nonsense at the Coliseum, Pac-12 after dark. And it's going to be 38-28 USC. Oh, here you go. I mean... Sometimes I just think... So a barely cover, a barely cover, (laughs) but they cover nonetheless. I don't think they cover. I think the game is a little bit tighter. I think, like I keep saying, Arizona's offense is so potent. It's going to be a real big test for our defense to be under the lights Saturday night, homecoming. I'll be there. Hopefully they put on a show. I'm thinking USC wins. They don't cover 35-28 USC. 35, 28. So you're only three points off of what I'm going. Yeah. Well, you're the one that's always trying to copy what I do. So. Oh, oh. This week I do. I have confidence in USC being able to put up points on this Wildcats defense and hopefully limit them enough to where they can pull off the win. Our defense has to beat their offense. Has to. Has to. Has to. Point blank period. Otherwise, we might see some ridiculous score. Absolutely. Like in the 50s. If it's in the 50s, then I really worry about SE. I don't want to see Tate having an IV on the sideline from running up and down the field. <laughs> <laughs> and so it is time now for our prop bet prediction. We call it Nara's No Doubter and Frosty's Cold Hard Truth, where we pick what we believe is guaranteed to happen in this game. It's just an in general, something that stands out to us, basically. So, Frosty, let's hear it. What is Frosty's cold hard truth for USC versus Arizona? I think Frosty's cold hard truth of this week is that USC's offense comes out on fire for the first quarter and puts up 14 points in the first quarter, and that's what gives us the edge for this win. So your cold, hard truth is that SC scores 14 first quarter points, jumps out on Arizona. Okay. Yep. I can see that happening for sure. So for me, Nara's no doubter pick for this game is that USC is going to put up at least 550 yards of offense. Okay. They're going to exceed big time what even Arizona is averaging giving up. Total defense, Arizona is allowing 473 yards a game so far. I think SC is going to blow that out of the water 
and they're going to put up at least 550 yards of offense. Call me crazy. I hope so. But that is Nara's no doubter. So again, let's recap our predictions. In the players that we believe in, I am going to go with the running back, Marquise Step. Frosty is choosing to go with another group of players this week. This time, it's the defensive line. The game score, very close. I'm going 38-28 USC to just cover the spread. Frosty's going a little bit under 35-28 for USC. And Nara's no doubter this week is that SC's offense gets at least 550 yards of total offense, while Frosty's cold, hard truth is that SC will score 14 points in the first quarter. I think these are some solid picks here this week, Frosty. I do too. I mean, our Achilles heel last week was we didn't start off fast. We didn't get the points we needed. I think they respond after a good week of practice. They put the points on the board, and that propels us late in the game because we have that somewhat cushion that we're not too far behind if Arizona goes on a run. All right. So if you enjoyed listening to us, please subscribe and rate our show. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And also the website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me on Twitter, you can find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, where do they find you? At The Organic Frost, and that's on Twitter and Instagram, at The Organic Frost. So for Frosty Rucker, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode eight of the USC football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.